Welcome to the PM Growth Expert Show, where we not only give you strategies, hints, and tips on how to grow your rent roll, but we also interview leading experts from around the planet. Now, for 40 ways you can grow your rent roll without having to worry about relying on salespeople or expensive search engine optimization, just go to pmleadsecrets.com. That's pmleadsecrets.com for our free book. All you've got to do is pay for shipping. Take care. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant assisted routine inspections, where your tenants, in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections, um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done. Now this is going to help you, particularly if you're in lockdown, but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown, um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year, aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections. The next step, really, go and have a demo, have a look for yourself, and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo, and check it out. Hi, it's Dennis here from Inspired Growth Training, and we are here with the one and only Brock Fisher for the Grow 100 Expert Challenge. Brock, mate, you're from Colmio. I didn't know you from Colmio when we first met. It was back in the days of Rental Express. 2012 is when we first met. That's almost 10 years ago. Can you believe it? A decade, hey? Yeah. Mate, um, I was uh, speaking at a conference. You were speaking at a conference. It was Darren's conference, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, Darren was certainly part of that conference. And... um. I remember I got really frustrated when I was there because the MC kept on cutting me off on not letting me feed the people. I got really fired up. And Darren came and spoke to me um, after, you know, how'd you go, how'd you go? And, you know, the conference was still on and I'm like, fired up. I didn't get to educate the people. These people, they've been ripped off. I didn't get to give, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they got shortchanged on their dinner's value. <laughs> and um, and because I was, you know, especially when a question was asked about social media, is social media, you know, should it be used for, for real estate? And um, everyone else was saying no. And I'm going, no, yeah. yes, but yes. they cut me off. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> uh, forward thinking. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's cool. That's cool. That's how it, it probably is. is the same conversation as when people were considering the transition from window cards to marketing properties on the internet. <laughs> I'm not putting a property on the net or I'm not going to do video, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 the, um, it's always about that technological advancement, right? It's, um, yeah. uh, you're in the IT industry, right? You're um, all over technology and stuff, so you understand it. So, um, yeah, mate, um, just, just quickly, I mean, it's, it was always great. I mean, conferences, you meet so many people. It's an amazing avenue to network, right? It's not necessarily about who is speaking, but who you meet and who you can gel with because you're surrounding yourself in a room of people that want to learn. Why would you not want to go to conferences? Yeah, and I know people that go to conferences specifically just to network. Like sometimes I mightn't even go to any of the sessions, but they just 
know who's going and make appointments to catch up, whether that's throughout the course of the day or, you know, before or after the actual event, just for that fact that you've got so many people uh, in the one spot at the one time. So why not leverage it? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, Brock, quickly I need to ask, I don't even know where your office is, but, <laughs> like, I, I need to ask, are you a tea or a coffee person? Uh, I'm a coffee person. Okay, nice. That's good. I'm a triple shot flat white kind of guy Ooh. in a small cup. Okay, I just had a small triple shot mocha. Yeah. <laughs> I actually used to drink macchiatos, but then I found they went too quickly, so I just get the smallest coffee I can and put as many shots in it as will fit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nice. That's, that's good. I'm hoping that when I do walk into the Colmeo office that you guys have got a good coffee shop close by. Uh, yeah, and our CEO is a bit of a coffee nerd, so he's like right into the barometric pressure of his machine and, you know, the how it's tamped and the the hand with which the beans have been cooked and whether the the roasting oven was wood-fired, like he's right into that. So he'll take nice. nerd out on coffee. That's good. And the, the person who's actually making it's got to have that right heart temperature. They've got to feed it with enough love as they're controlling the machine as well. You know, so um, no doubt he's up to date on that one as well. True, true. No, that's awesome. Okay, so Brock, obviously you've been in the industry for a long time. You know, tell us about yourself. You know, there's some people here that would have no clue who Brock Fisher is. <laughs> true, even... probably quite a lot of those people. <laughs> they wouldn't even know who Rental Express is, who we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, so um, I guess my real estate journey started in 1998. Uh, I'm from Central West New South Wales originally, so I was kind of working at a service station after high school and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I uh, got a call from a recruitment agent to come into town. Of course, I lived out of town, so I had to come into town uh, wearing a, a shirt and tie and had an interview at, uh, at Rain and Horn in Bathurst, and that's kind of where it all began. So the gentleman that own the well there's actually two guys that own that business at the time Matt Clifton and John Fagan so Johnny Fagan used to play football with my dad and that's basically what the interview was about talking about school and sport and so forth and so I got to start there um I worked at Rain and Horn for five and a half years then I moved to Brisbane and worked at Ray White Ascot for uh probably about four years so started the rental department there with Dwight Ferguson um then had a few Roles after that in on-site management and a few other bits and pieces. Then I joined the Rental Express business in 2011. So started there as a property manager, moved into a training role, and then uh, had the opportunity to buy a small portion of the business and become a shareholder and was a was chief operations officer there for a number of years until the business got bought by the little group. Um, so then I had um, a national operational role at Little Real Estate through to joining the Colmio team in 2019. And uh, yeah, that's where I am now working in the prop tech space. Mate, that's, that, that's a huge run of um, obviously you've got three different franchise groups there as well. And, you know, uh, oh, well, I mean, Rental Express weren't a franchise and the little group, they're, they're not really either, are they? But um, Yeah, last franchise I actually worked for was Ray White. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rental Express had a sales division, Ray White, that sold properties, right? Yeah, they were two Ray, separate Ray White businesses. Express, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. So what did you do? Okay, you, you, before real estate, you, you kind of just touched on it. You worked at a service station. Yeah, so I, this is my first full-time job out of school, basically. So yep. I didn't really want to go to uni. Um, I was, like my family have a farm. So I did a fair bit of that rural kind of farm work. Um, did a few other things like picking grapes and pumping petrol. Um, but yeah, basically real estate has been 
my career path since I was 18. So yeah, yeah. 20, I think 24 years now. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. So what, what caught the attention, obviously, you know, to get into real estate, I understand you had the, you know, the job interview and spoke about your dad and football, right? What what, what was the thing that really caught your attention about, you know, wanting to get into real estate? Um, Well, I thought houses would be interesting. So property just generally was quite interesting. Uh, I guess what I learned after that is the the people were probably even way more interesting than the property. But I guess the other thing is it's quite a portable career. So the skills are very transferable, not only to other industries, but also to different locations. So if you're a good property manager in Bathurst, you can be a good property manager in Brisbane. You can be a good property manager on the Gold Coast. And I think certainly in the property management side of the business, there's lots of uh, career path kind of opportunities there. So mm. I think that's what appealed to me over and above the sales side of the business was that I think you get a lot more diversity, a lot more variety on the property management side. And plus, I kind of like that team environment, whereas, um, you know, the sales side of the business tends to be a little more, I guess, particular person focused, like everyone's kind of doing their own thing. They're kind of operating their own little micro business, right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the team vibe and I like the, the diversity of the property management side of things. I, I, I like what you said there. I mean, you, you're certainly right about being more team build, you know, um, at, you know, from the property management division versus a, a sales agent. I mean, the BDM can be a very individual role, like a salesperson, yeah. right? But you're still part of a team. You're still part of that property. Yeah, manager. you're still part of a team. And, mm. if, and like all teams, the classic cliche, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you can't be a successful BDM if, um, if the experience of people once they've joined your business is is below their expectations. So it's really yeah. important. But not only is the BDM a realist in the way that they're selling the services, but also that the team delivers what's been promised. Oh, absolutely. And it makes it a lot easier for the BDM to sell the services when the team around them is doing really well. Um, I, I love that you said that real estate, you can just pick it up and, and that those skills can be you know, anywhere in Australia, New Zealand, you can go to America, you can go to England with those skills, right? It's, you know, you, you do. So I remember, you know, not that long ago, if you did nursing in New South Wales, you are stuck in New South Wales. You couldn't <laughs> yeah. take those skills. To, it's changed now, right? But there still is a lot of industries where if you go to uni and you, you do the, the training that you've got to stay in that state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess it's true in Australia that real estate legislation is state-based and I think the thing, and I've been the nerd that actually reads all of the state-based acts because I kind of got to, um, but lots of it is trying to achieve the same things, just kind of talking about it in a bit of a different way. And we also have the mutual recognition provisions in most yep. states where if you learn in one state, you can transfer your qualifications to another. So, I mean, it's not as portable as it could be or should be. I mean, ultimately, I think I'd like to see national legislation, both from a business practitioner's point of view, but also from a customer's point of view. So the experience is consistent, but... In the meantime, I think what we have is reasonably workable and certainly better than some other industries like you've described. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Brock, okay, let, let's bring it into, you know, what your buzz was when you were in real estate. You know, you, you could talk about it when you were a BDM or when you were training or, you know, where you are now, right? So, for myself, my buzz was beating the rival agent. It was like I am a <laughs> person. Even from leasing being so competitive to get that great tenant, but then that opportunity to beat all the other agents in my area that were, you know, bagging me out, that was a buzz. I loved beating the other agents. You know, what, what was your buzz? 
yeah, I think it's probably a combination of that competitive piece, but also, and probably more so later in my career than earlier, because I think later in the year, you get that opportunity to be more of a, a mentor and a coach to people, but um, helping people around me kind of realize their potential. So I think from the mm. team's point of view, um, making sure that people were being the best property manager or the best leasing person or the best BDM that they could be. Yeah. So that was really important, kind of making sure that everyone was not only achieving their best, but I think with that comes self-confidence and self-esteem as well, which kind of helps them just in life generally. So that was definitely, uh, and still remains to this day, quite a big buzz. Uh, then I guess from a BDM point of view, because I've been in and out of that BDM space a fair bit over the years. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like, I guess, the, the competition of going out there and going up against a number of people and, and being successful in that space. So why you would uh, choose me and my business over all of the alternatives out there. So there's never mm. any shortage of choice. So being able to, uh, I guess, bond with that prospective person and convince them that you are the right choice. I think yeah. you know, if you can uh, continue to do that on the daily basis and you're uh, you're getting way more than you're losing, then that's uh, there's a fair bit of buzz there too. Oh, absolutely. I like the word you use, bond, right, is that connect with the, the that potential landlord you know, and your services in educating them. It's, it's well said. So what motivated you to get to work on a Monday? What, 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 okay, well, I know we spoke about that bars and stuff, but what kept you going to work? What was that thing that, you know, that you really loved about real estate that wanted you to keep going back? Uh, yeah, I think definitely, I think the diversity is the thing that's always kept it interesting. So, you know, I, I guess I'm fortunate to have had the opportunity to work in a whole range of different types of roles and contexts. And so there's never really been a, a dull moment or a, a time where I've felt like I'm just kind of in a repetitive rut because there's always been new and, and different challenges and things to do. So yeah, variety uh, and enjoying the people that I work with, you know, enjoying their company and the team vibe. Um, that's always uh, a key thing as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. So when you're working with Rental Express, uh, I mean, you guys were at, I, I remember, you know, obviously Rosie, we've got Jason Rose. Um, geez, I haven't caught up with him for a little while. But I, I remember, you know, him and I kept in contact a great deal and you guys were listing 100 properties a month. Like, yeah, Rent so the best, uh, the best year I think we ever did at Rental Express was about 900 and 80 or thereabouts uh, in a year. So, yeah, they're pretty significant numbers. But, yeah, anytime you do 100 in a month is a good month. Yeah, it's, it's big numbers, right? It's, yeah. it's huge numbers. Just, just wanted to, you know, give some clarity around that. I know I did well listing 925 in four years, but you've just said 980 in one year. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of – it's all about scale as well. So, you know, the bigger you are, the – easier it is to do the bigger numbers but you've also got to have a really defined plan and you've also got to have a budget so the things that you need to do to do a thousand properties a year are really different to the things that you need to do to do 100 properties a year so um, I think everyone was always wowed by the numbers at Rental Express but if you sat down and went you know our budget to do this is a million bucks for the year then quite often that would take people aback but that's really I mean ultimately becomes a, a question around cost of acquisition so if you want to grow you've got to be prepared to invest in that. I've got to say, Brock, if I had a million dollars to invest in growth when I was a BDM, I wouldn't know what to do with the money. I didn't yeah. have a budget. I was just like, my budget was the landline of the telephone 
that was in front of my desk that I didn't have to pay for. Yeah, true. And I guess I've experienced that end of the spectrum as well. So when I first joined Rental Express, I had to grow a portfolio from scratch in a marketplace I was unfamiliar with, with no budget and, and no leads coming in. And I'd previously done that at Ray White as well. So I grew the rental department for Dwight from zero properties to a, a business that that um, sustained four full-time team members. So uh, yeah, that, um, that early stage low budget space uh, is, I guess, kind of my my personal sweet spot. I've then been fortunate to learn about the other end of the spectrum, just from the businesses that we've worked in. And, you know, I guess it's probably worthwhile noting that little real estate, you know, our best year there, we did almost 3000 in a year. So once again, it's the, it's, it's another step up again in terms of the activities you do, the budget you have and the strategy and the way you need to go about it. But mm. yeah, the challenges of doing 3000 a year, are a bit different to a thousand a year and obviously different again to a hundred a year. Yeah, which is crazy. So uh, just to let everyone know as well, obviously Rental Express, let's just talk a little bit about them and then I'd love to talk about what you're doing now as well. Rental Express, if you could tell us about that office, you guys were PM only. People need to understand, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners out there, when you don't have a sales team to tap into to get growth, you you, you literally still have to, it doesn't matter what your budget is, you still have to pick up the phone. You're not appointment bookers. You've got to get out there and prospect. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how, you know, Rental Express, um, you know, how they were as a business. Uh, you know, really good, like great, great crew, very learned, got a lot of diversity from all elements of business generally. So I guess the thing about the Rental Express team, I guess with the exception of people like Jason and myself, was that they're from actually from outside the industry. So a lot mm. of other just general business smarts came into that business and were applied in ways that suited the domain. So in terms of lead generation at Rental Express, yeah, without a sales department or um, any of that sort of stuff to cash in, you know, there was a real strong emphasis on a number of things. So um, one was they were definitely very early adopters of, uh, you know, net promoter score, an NPS type system. So harnessing the power of customer advocacy. And that was initially generally owner focused, but also later on turned to the, the tenant side of things as well, because, you know, mm. I think that's one of the great untapped uh, resources is people often overlook the fact that tenants, even if they don't own a property themselves, often know people that do. So uh, using the the power of advocacy was really key there through a really expansive uh, MPS program. Uh, strategic referral relationships, so building a pipeline of people who refer in volume to you. So, you know, that was uh, an important pillar as well. And there's a lot of different flavors of that you know financial services accountants like there's a whole range of them you know even in my early days at, at ray white i had a you know one a financial planner that used to consistently refer me five properties a month which you know when you've already got five coming in then hey it makes your it makes your head start um a lot better so a couple of those types of relationships are really handy on any sort of scale um and then there was, I guess, the early forerunner in the social media space. So Rental Express did a, did a lot of uh, early work in that space as well to generate leads. Mm. Uh, but I think content marketing was a real key there. So um, Chris Rolls was really intelligent in coming up with ways to drive people to the website to give you their contact details to receive something, whether it be a report or a CD or a DVD or any of those sorts of stuff. So 
coming up with things that people would find in Google searches to drive people to your website to give you their details so that you can send them something. And then once you've got their details, obviously you can continue to remain in contact and to mm. nurture and grow that relationship. So uh, really effective at, um, at, at building a database of contacts. So the database was really quite huge there. And then later on, um, the evolution of, of lead gen there was like literally just have a, an internal um kind of telemarketing team that used to just make calls constantly to that database and and offer them things of value like it wasn't just about ringing up and going hey how are you going it was like hey your property's in the street have you had an up-to-date appraisal of what's going on in the area or you know any recent developments like anything that could add value to that customer rather than just ringing up and just saying g'day um that was that was a really effective way to generate leads um, towards the back end of our time in that business yeah yeah which is awesome so Okay, tell us a bit about what are you doing now? Like, uh, you know, I've mentioned Colmio. So, you know, uh, who's Colmio and, you know, what do you guys do? Uh, So Colmio is a property management software company. So we are kind of the evolution of a product that's been in market for a number of years uh, called Agent Plus. So Agent Plus was a pretty forward-thinking program in its time. Uh, It originally kind of kicked off about 2006 it's always been a really good product for, in particular, managing really large-scale customers. Um, it was probably early, really before its time in terms of probably the original uh, foray into the concept of outsourcing services. So the mm-hmm. traditional Agent Plus offering involved uh, Agent Plus doing your trust accounting for you and all of your property administration and mailroom type services. So uh, that was you know, well before the time that traditional onshore or offshore outsourcing options were freely available. And the actual operating system itself is one that had quite a lot of features that still stand up um, even by today's timing. So, you know, it was really uh, a quite a progressive platform. Um, Comio is basically designed to take all the stuff that people really liked about that um, and we, we do find that a lot of the people that are interested in it now are people who've used Agent Plus over the years at various businesses and gone and used other software mm-hmm. at other places and nothing's really ever filled that kind of Agent Plus shaped hole in their their life. So uh, the way it worked and the, what it can do for you to, to manage your day as a property manager is, um, is really quite powerful. So uh, we're also trying to, I guess, approach the property management challenge a little more holistically. So it's been my observation um, that lots of um, software in market has just been an incremental evolution of what's been done before. And customer expectation is really different now compared to what it was even 10 years ago and certainly what it was 20 years ago. Um, the role of the property manager is is even more challenging. So we're just looking for sensible ways to free up the time for a property manager so that they can be that expert value provider and concentrate on the relationship space and give customers a bit more of that transparency of they want uh, out of a tech-based experience in 2021 yeah yeah i mean technology is certainly um making some huge advancements in in the world of real estate and property management and you guys are doing an amazing job of that so brock if if you were to start a business from scratch where you already had an established business however you want to look at this and you needed to grow you know 100 doors 100 managements in you know a 12-month period what would be your key top two strategies that would you you would use and why uh well i think it depends if i have existing customers or not mm-hmm. so yeah. if i have existing customers the two things that i have done and always do and have always been fruitful for me 
is concentrating on all of my current owners and any additional properties they might have or people yep. that they might know that have properties. That's always been really fruitful for me. And the same with tenants, to be honest. So tenants always get overlooked uh, as a potential source of new business, but they're probably a better judge than anyone as to what your form is really like as a property manager. And I think um, one of the things that has frustrated me over the years is people taking the view that you look after tenants because they might want to buy a property someday, but that's kind of completely missing the point. So you look after a tenant because they're a customer and they have a mouth and they have a brain and they have a keyboard and they can let the world know just how good or bad you are uh, as a property manager. So whether a tenant has a property of their own or not is irrelevant. If they do, cool, then ask them if you can manage it. But the key point is they probably know people that do have yeah. properties. And that's really what you want to tap into. So that warm third-party referral to someone that has a, a property. So those are the two things that I would do straight up if I had an existing customer base and was just looking to squeeze 100 more properties out of it. And that has traditionally always worked well for me in the past. Every time I've gone to a business or started a portfolio and had to grow, that's what I've done. Uh, if I had zero properties and moved to a new area and had to start from scratch, the approach wouldn't be all that different. But I guess what I would do is is call it kind of the sphere of influence. So uh, I sit down, I make a list of everyone that I can think of. Um, that includes, you know, friends, family members, past colleagues, potential people that might work in an industry that might be a referral source. Uh, tradespeople, contractors, you know, the list goes on and then literally just have a conversation with them. But you've really got to be, I think, mindful of how you frame up the question and the way in which you ask about that. So I think there's a real big difference between what is almost a bit of a throwaway comment, which is like, hey, Dennis, if you think of anyone I could speak to, just let me know. And, you know, that's a bit kind of dismissive where you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I will, and you never will. But And, and they forget you, about the conversation when you hang up, right? Yeah. But if you reframe that to, Dennis, who can you introduce me to that I could speak to about property, then that's kind of a different and immediate call of action. So being really conscious of the language you use when you make calls is really important, but also understanding that... Um, Sometimes there's repeated effort. Like I wouldn't ring you up, Dennis, and say, hey, look, just generally, I'm looking to grow my portfolio. If you can introduce me to someone, that'd be fantastic and think that forevermore, you're going to do that. So there needs to be a repeated follow-up. There needs to be continued nurturing in order for that to be uh, a fruitful thing. You've got to be mindful of your language. Um, and I'm also really quite passionate about making sure that you never let anyone that's referred anyone to you go unrecognized. So for me, that's a two-step process. If someone has referred someone to you and they get in touch or you've got the opportunity, uh, send them a thank you card. And then if you're successful in getting that business at some point, then maybe some kind of additional or slightly larger gift as an acknowledgement of that. But making sure that if anyone has taken the time to actually put your name in front of someone and facilitate that introduction, that you never let that go unrecognized. I'm also pretty particular about that whole thank you card thing because it can be really powerful or it can be a bit ho-hum depending on how you go about it. So I guess firstly, the motivation is that no one actually gets anything good by mail anymore. It's just about always bills or speeding fines or something like that. So it gives you a moment in time there that you can really control a surprise and delight moment with a customer. Uh, if you take the time to um, write them a card, put it in an envelope, send it to them. I personally like an actual card, like not an agency branded card. So to go down to the news agency and actually get one. And I also like a plain envelope, not an agency branded one and a stamp, yep. like if you can get it. So it all just points to 
um, the effort that you're putting into that. It's so that personal it, touch, right? So you're, yeah, you're personal touch. Know, yeah, you'll be happy to know, Brock, that um, one of the KPIs that um, we're having placed at Inspired Growth Training is coloured envelopes, mm. non-branding. It's okay if you're a brand and you use the coloured envelope. Like if you are a Ray White group, it's okay to yeah, use, use a coloured envelope. Okay, yeah. handwrite on it, right? It's got to be handwritten, got to put the stamp on it. You know, so if you're Rental Express, having a green envelope, because that, that catches the attention. That's yeah. personal, it's handwritten. So, yeah. you know... So a card is good, but if people think you've just wheeled around to the counter behind you and grabbed something and stuck it in the mail tray, that's nowhere near as good as if they think you've actually gotten out of your chair, gone down the street, gone to the news agency, picked a card, picked an envelope and got a stamp and then come back and actually written a, a bespoke card. Like that's how you make that impact. And if you want to do something like throw a scratchy in there as well, then cool. That's just another little surprise and delight moment. Uh, but that's been really that's been really powerful for me over the years. So last time I started a portfolio from scratch in an area that I had not worked before, that's the the method I used. Um, I got properties from friends of people in my phone. I didn't even get their property, but they referred me on to someone else that I could. Um, I've got properties from ex-wives of of current owners. I've got people from sisters of prospects when I haven't even got that person's property, but they referred me on to family members. Actually, I find the family members is really quite um, lucrative. So I've got a lot of business over the years from sisters, brothers, parents, fathers, in-laws, all of that type of stuff. Um, uh, cleaner. So, you know, one of the cleaners I used to use in Brisbane had a property on the Gold Coast when I moved down there. We we're having a chat. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I've got one at Chugan. You can have that. So I was like, cool. Um, guy that I used to ride bikes with, uh, you know, he happened to have a property in the marketplace as, all, as well. So it's just about having those conversations and uncovering who never assuming that um, you know, a property owner looks like a particular type of person. You can always ask the question. They can come from anywhere. Yeah. Brett, uh, look, one of the things that you said, Brock, is, you know, those influences, right? The strategic alliances, however you want to put it. A lot of people think that, and they expect that they're going to get referral backwards and forwards. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily about getting a number from them. It's not necessarily about how many doors that you might get each month but it's about that connection it's about the relationship it's about them being a raving fan they might be at a barbecue they hear real estate and they're thinking rock mm. you know it's connection yeah and i think the other the, one of the one of the mistakes i often see people make in that space is they find someone i think they think could be a referrer and they just straight up ask them for all of their business now oh. that person is more than likely already got someone that they use so mm -hmm. just going from zero to give me everything is just totally unrealistic but i think it's about placing yourself as a viable alternative so it's like all right well at some point they're going to be too busy and you're going to need a plan b so i'm happy to be your plan b or just give me one just give me the next one see how it goes see if you're happy with what i do with your customer and if you're happy with it then you can give me more and if you're not then um you know i'll try harder next time but i'll back myself to make sure i get the right outcome so you don't have to go straight from zero to give me absolutely everything, Mr. or Mrs. Referrer. Just give me one. Just give me one and let's compare. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So, Brock, obviously you guys, um, you know, covered the whole Brisbane market. You know, you're up against multiple agencies, you know. Uh, you know, it's a question I ask a lot of people. How many agencies do you come up against if you're doing a presentation? I mean, you guys were up against everyone. You yeah. know, Rental Express certainly, you know, sent a, be uh, a set a benchmark around Australia. You know, I was I was in little old Nara, New South Wales, and we were looking uh, and seeing what you guys are doing. You know, oh, that's very kind. Thanks. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, obviously, you know, um, Chris and Rosie and yourself were 
on the, the bit of the speaking circuit as well. So that obviously brought it to people's attention. But you're on those circuits because certain systems and procedures and results are coming. So that, that's what the important thing is there. Now, what were your key points of differences as an agency when you're coming up against everyone else? Um, well, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but yeah, we were a specialist property management business. So that was always uh, a key part of the value proposition. But we're also very focused on the value that we would provide and the money that we would make the owner as opposed to the actual fee itself. So we were really effective at understanding metrics and being able to relate that to value. So things like how long it takes us to market a property versus our competition, how, what our average vacancy rate is versus, um, you know, the average for the area, what our yield is relative to what other people are renting similar properties for. And that just meant that if you're ever in a scenario where firstly you were competing or that fees were an issue, you could straight away go, well, you know, it's not about what you're paying us, Mr. or Mrs. Owner. It's about what the overall return is at the end of the year. So you might say that, yes, we are $3 a week more, but we're actually going to make you $600 more every year. So, you know, it's it's false economy to think that you're getting the best value out of the cheapest fee when it's all about the overall picture of who's putting more money in your pocket at the end of the day. Yeah, well said. And it's exactly, you know, it's one of my favourite sayings, Brock, is it's not about the fee you pay, but how we, how much we save you in, uh, in money. You know, just yeah. your average days on market you know, is going to show a client versus your rivals how much extra yeah. income they can put in their pocket, you know. But I also think it's about understanding what you do and how it adds value to the customer as opposed to just describing what you do. And I think probably the example I would use here is people often get the whole lease renewal fee thing quite wrong. Like they explain that there's a lot of work doing a lease renewal and that's why they charge a fee. But that entirely misses the point from the owner's point of view. They want to know that you're taking control of, uh, of firstly, the marketing scenario if you have to, but you're actively working to minimise vacancy because vacancy comes with not only a, a loss of income through the vacancy period, but leasing fees, and marketing fees and all that type of stuff. So you're actually taking control of the scenario to maximise their uh, rental return as opposed mm -hmm. to doing a whole bunch of work for which you're charging them a fee. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's it's an interesting concept. I used to say to the owners, the reason why we have a lease renewal fee is, you know, when we first actually market the property for you, uh, we're charging you A, B, C and D. Well, because we're doing half the work, I'm actually giving you a discount and I'm saving you from paying all of those things. That's why we ensure that the tenant re-signs another lease. And by the way, here's another comparable market analysis that we've done for you. We've negotiated a time with the tenant and extended too. So you've got to show them that extra added value. So, you know, that's really, um, really well said, well put that you, you've got there, Brock. Now, Brock, we have hundreds of agencies around the world that are looking at getting into the industry, listening in on our podcasts. You're a wise I won't say old man, but you're, you're <laughs> old in the industry, right? Yeah. I've spent more than half my life here. <laughs> you, you, you have. I mean, I, I spent, um, you know, a couple of decades in fruit and veggies before I joined uh, real estate, but uh, even though I was a, a landlord, et cetera. But, you know, what wise words, what wisdom would you give someone that's coming into the industry today? Um, well, I guess it depends on the role that they're doing, but um, I think – so much of the industry training that we have is focused on 
technical skills and legislation and notice periods and all that. But where the real value and the real challenge is, is around actually the interpersonal and the soft people management type of skills. So uh, I think never lose sight of the fact that you can never do too much uh, Mm. in terms of learning more about how to manage and communicate effectively with people, because effectively that is the whole name of the game. And you can approach a difficult scenario in a number of different ways for a remarkably different outcome, depending on um, your demeanor, the type of language you use. And I think this is where I I guess I see a lot of people retreat to being quite combative or inflammatory at times whereas you don't necessarily need to be that way you can adopt a different tone you can use different language style and you can get a far better outcome if you maintain and preserve and foster a feeling of goodwill in those relationships so we're often in a difficult scenario where two parties have competing interests and someone has to win and someone has to lose but that doesn't need to be uh, a battle you can still get to that point and have everyone walk away going you know what um I didn't get what I wanted, but I'm happy with how it was managed. And that, I think, is is the key to concentrate on the people and the interpersonal skills uh, and don't make the sole focus of any training or professional development to do just purely about the technical stuff. Yeah, well said. Very well said. So, Brock, Inspired Growth Training, we have a two-day conference um, where we get the top BDMs, business owners, directors, the people that are really serious about growth. You know, these people are at the Inspired Growth Training Conference. They're serious about growth. I mean, these guys, they come to our conference because they're ready to go. And I tap you on the shoulder and I say, Brock, what advice have you got to give them in closing the conference? You've got two minutes, buddy. Tell us what you've got. What words of wisdom are you going to give these people that are serious about rent roll growth? Uh, I think you need to understand what's working for you and what's not. So people often move into the growth space and they try a whole lot of stuff, but they're actually not sure which of, which elements of that is working and which are not. So I was taught really early on that you should always find a way to measure your success because the, ultimately the, the idea is that you want to do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Like it just makes sense, right? So whatever you're doing, make sure you've figured out a way that you can actually measure the success of that. Uh, and do that accordingly, Um, but also be really familiar with the concept of delayed gratification. So so often people are really attracted to the low-hanging fruit, but they're not prepared to do the sowing and the nurturing and, you know, potentially get something, you know, six months or 12 months down the track. So as a BDM, I think the longest I ever chased a lead for was three and a half years, but A, I got it, and B, at no point did the person ever tell me to bugger off. Like, they're actually helpful and impressed by my diligence of that follow-up, but uh, it's about kind of playing the long game there as well. Uh, But I think the thing is, you need to have a plan, so it needs to be consistent, you need to be persistent. No good growth ever comes from one-off efforts, like it's all about continuing to build on that, but... Ultimately, if you can nail the organic growth, it's a far more cost-effective way and a far more scalable and sustainable way than buying a rent roll. So this was um, you know, part of our motivation to all the businesses that I've worked in is that the cost of acquisition uh, growing organically was about one-third of the cost of going out and buying a rent roll. So it just makes perfect economic sense. Yeah, well said. Um, very well said. Uh, very well put and a, good, a great way to close out a conference. Looking forward to you guys being at uh, the conference, Comio and yourself and um, everyone else that's going to be from your um, from the team coming to the conference. You guys are actually representing, um, you know, under the tech section of the event as well. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. 
Um, appreciate that, uh, you know, can people reach out to you? How can they reach out to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Scott will be speaking at the conference. I'll be going to the conference as well. So happy to kick around and have a chat to, to anyone there. Uh, you can log on to www.colmeo.com. So that's K-O-L-M-E-O.com. Uh, on there, you'll find a bit about um, what we're all about. We've also got a journal section on there, which has some helpful resources for people as well. Uh, you can get me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, my email address is just brock.fisher at colmeo.com. So I'm pretty easy to find uh, and always happy to have a chat. Yeah, and you are, mate. Um, certainly are happy, easy to have a good chat as well. I'm going to have to come visit that office and um, try some of this amazing coffee that um, you guys have got there uh, as well. <laughs> we are blessed with choice. You can even get a gold-leafed coffee across the road. It's really expensive. It doesn't really taste that good, but um, it's quite a novelty. <laughs> mate, you've, you've lost me on that doesn't taste good. I have coffee for the flavour, mate, okay? <laughs> yeah, true. It's a good reason to have it. Yeah, awesome. Brock Fisher, thank you very much for being part of the Grow 100 Expert Challenge. You're certainly an expert. You've been in the industry a lot longer than um, three quarters of the people I know as well. Um, thanks for being part of the team. Thanks, Dennis. Great to chat.